This episode of Hearsay is sponsored by the Wheels of Justice, a partnership against cancer, benefiting the Children's Colorado Center for Cancer and Blood Disorders. For more information, visit wheelsofjusticecycling.org. If you work in an office that doesn't require you to wear a suit every day, there's a specific outfit you're probably familiar with. Chinos or khakis and a dress shirt, topped by a down or fleece vest. In Colorado, it happens to look right at home in the unpredictable weather. The outfit is a staple on shows like Showtime's Billions or HBO's Silicon Valley. A popular Instagram account makes fun of the common corporate casual uniform, usually worn by men. It's become a marker of working in elite professions like finance, law, and tech. The ubiquity of the outfit is easy to make fun of, but it's also an example of the cultural significance of office wear, especially since suits aren't expected every day anymore in a lot of white-collar offices. Workwear can send a message about gender stereotypes, corporate hierarchy, and a company's culture. Most law firms probably fall somewhere in between edgy tech startups and ultra-conservative government agencies. I talked with two women about what norms for workplace dress can mean in different types of corporate cultures. Anna Conrad is the founder of Impact Leadership Solutions. She does leadership development and executive coaching. Rachel Lafort is a fashion stylist who frequently works with lawyers as clients. She has her own business, Rachel Lafort Style, and is also a menswear stylist for Jay Hilburn. Right? I mean, you judge each other by the work that we do and what we can produce, but we are human, and we're nat- and it's natural for us to judge and evaluate others. There is something to be said that we judge people on their appearance. I'll ask if they're client-facing. I'll ask if they manage other people. And I'll ask about, certainly about the job that they want. I think that's important. But also, yeah, about the, you know, who has, who do you report to? And who, and how does that person dress? I think it's important, the hierarchy, or at least to pay attention to that. The point is, how a person dresses for work sends a message. That's true even for people who don't care about clothes. And sending the messages you intend and understanding the ones other people are sending matter for succeeding in the workplace. This is Hearsay from Law Week, Colorado. I'm Julia Cardi. So who says what the dress code at a company is anyway? I pointed out to Anna that any policy is only as meaningful as the buy-in it gets from the people highest up in a company. So for how people dress, Employees are probably looking to their company's leaders for cues more than any written dress code. It would seem important for them to understand that not only do they not want to seem above the people under them, but also recognizing that the people under them are going to be looking at the way they dress for cues of, oh, well, the boss wears a suit every day, so that's probably what I'm expected to wear, or the boss wears just the, the khakis and button-up and a vest every day, so yes. it's probably okay if I do that. You're absolutely right. So as human beings, we naturally emulate our leaders. It's a survival instinct. And especially in the corporate in the corporate world, people look, as you're saying, Julia, people look to their leaders to see how should I act, how should I dress, what should I be like, what's important. How people at a particular company dress doesn't just affect its own employees. Anna said it's something outside lawyers should pay attention to. More specifically, a general counsel will treat the outside lawyers they work with as a business partnership. And she said making sure the culture's mesh is an important part of a smooth partnership. 
Now, what a lot of attorneys and law firms do not understand is that GCs hire them not just for legal advice, but they want to know that indeed you understand my business, you have my business's best interest at heart, and it goes beyond just legal knowledge. It really does understand how does the law, how is that going to indeed impact my business and the way it's supposed to be run? And when we talk about that, they you need to have every every appearance, whether it's a verbal appearance or whether it's a physical appearance, that does indeed match with the business that you're serving. Because Anna works with a lot of different companies, she knows firsthand the importance of clothing as part of adapting to a company's culture. Yeah. So um, I was doing a leadership program for a very conservative financial services company, national one that's actually based in Denver. And so I had, when I went in there, I had to do the whole mismatch suit because I had to dress very conservative. That's conservative for me. Well, I had to then drive all the way up to Niwot because I was going to Crocs to do a uh, presentation to their C team. And I had to stop in a parking lot in McDonald's. And looking back, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. But at the time, I, I stopped in this parking lot and I had to change. Because if I would have gone into Crocs with a very laid back culture, dressed in my suit, they would not have taken me seriously. Rachel said she also talks with her clients about their company's culture as a clue to how they should dress. In keeping with the idea that the tone gets set at the top, employees lower in a hierarchy may want to avoid outdressing people in the upper ranks. And so when I'm working with clients, I mean, I'll ask that. I'll just ask, what is the corporate culture? What are people wearing? And what is the dress code? Okay. And, and you bring up such a valid point that they're not really going to follow the dress code. They're going to follow the CEO and CFO and what everybody's wearing in the office because they don't want to outdress the C-suite if the C-suite's wearing khakis and a button-down and a fleece vest. Some context about the people Rachel works with. They aren't really looking to push the fashion envelope. Often she helps them with the basics of dressing well, like how to pick out a suit that fits or break out of a habit of plain black shoes. In the legal profession, they might start because they, they need a suit, and they need a suit that, that fits, and, you know, luckily through word of mouth, you know, I'll, I'll get a phone call. and um, But then I talk to them about all of the other days of the week when they're not wearing a suit. And I really get to know what they need and help them figure out what they need. So then we really work on building a wardrobe, not just that one suit, because I think that it's all important, right? When Rachel works to find out what a client wants their clothing to say about them, She sometimes learns about insecurities they have that go a lot deeper than just not liking their clothing. Very often, fashion is not important to these clients. And so I have to share with them how it is important because it's not just fashion. It's your personal image of yourself as well, your body image. And um, it can be very emotional. It's very personal, you know, And, uh, and so... I have had, you know, women even weep because they feel so uncomfortable or they're just so, they they do feel insecure. A lot of the women who call me um, are so tired of not feeling confident on Monday morning, are so tired of not knowing what to wear to work and they're not liking their clothes or they feel like they can't pull it all together and it's stressful when they don't like their wardrobe. Here's Rachel describing how she might advise someone in a typical corporate environment who wants to dress creatively but still fit in their company's culture. 
my first thought is about women that, you know, she can be perfectly office appropriate and, and conservative, however, still really high fashion because the first thing it's all about fit. So she can be wearing a beautiful suit, even if she got it at a great price from the mall. It doesn't have to be very high end necessarily to be high fashion. And then she can add more style with a pop of color. So let's say she has um, a shade of blonde hair and we do a suit that's uh, some tone of camel that's really gonna accentuate and go with her hair and look really lovely on her. And then maybe we add um, a little bit of coral somewhere or some soft color to add style or maybe a, a printed blouse with it or some fun jewelry. I think there's a way with accessories to add style for sure and to bring out her personality. And then with men, I mean, men don't have as many options. Poor guys, huh? <laughs> they don't have as many options, but also they're lucky in a way because it's easier for them. It's much easier. So they have their, you know, they can wear depending again, the corporate culture, of course, and what their company is and um, who their clients are, but they can wear a, sh a patterned shirt with color in it. They can wear, um, you know, different tones of leather for their accessories. They can wear fashionable shoes. In my conversation with Rachel, the elephant in the room was sexism in clothing standards. What work clothing might say about gender stereotypes is hard to pin down. At the workplace, you just don't want to draw attention for the wrong reasons. Again, it's worth noting that Rachel's clients aren't looking to be really edgy with their clothing, but distracting or drawing attention for the wrong reasons are vague phrases. Would distracting mean something different for an attorney who's doing arguments at the Supreme Court versus just spending the day in their office with a business casual dress code? The terms seem loaded and could have sexist undertones. There are definitely style rules for women in the workplace that a man doesn't have to think about. Skirt hemlines, blouse necklines, heel heights. But figuring out whether they're sexist is more complicated. When I talked to Rachel, I floated the possibility of clothing's functionality as a good smell test for appropriateness at work. Is there a meaningful difference between clothing that's considered inappropriate because it interferes with work? and clothing that could be called inappropriate for work just because it's more bold than what people at a company are used to. Does it make sense to judge whether attitudes toward clothing are outdated or sexist based on that difference? It seems that clothing norms often don't recognize that distinction. Let's take a look at skirts. Rachel said when she shops with clients, she has them do a sit test to make sure a skirt stays comfortable and doesn't ride up too high. And when I shop with my clients, when I have a, a lady who's buying a dress or a skirt, I'll have her do a sit test because I, um, I think it is important so that she's not fidgeting when she's at work with her skirt and so that she knows it's an appropriate length and appropriate, quote unquote, there, you know, there's always a different meaning depending where you are and who's judging whether it's appropriate or not. It doesn't seem sexist to say a woman probably can't focus on her job as well if she's constantly fidgeting with the hem to make sure it doesn't write up too much when she's sitting down or leaning over. But what about maxi dresses or skirts? That's an ankle-length skirt that usually has a flared shape. I asked Rachel if, say, a bright maxi dress seems appropriate for a business casual environment, even though it's not in the canon of traditional professional clothing. It's not short. It's not tight. I guess it depends, right? If you're 
in a, an environment that you're meeting clients and you're wearing, and it's still casual, and maybe your clients are casual, but you're wearing this long floral maxi dress to see clients, I would say she might think that's too distracting, that it doesn't feel professional enough. So I think, yeah, I think that's a good, a good perception that you're, I agree with you on that. This seems like an instance where negative perceptions about a piece of clothing's appropriateness for work are more because it's just not what a typical corporate environment might be used to, not because it's inherently inappropriate in a professional setting. So it seems what Rachel means by avoiding distracting clothing is making sure it's functional and fits with the work environment. Though that still leaves the question, who should decide whether it's appropriate or distracting? I'm Julia Cardi for Hearsay from Law Week, Colorado. For more episodes of our monthly podcast, subscribe on iTunes or follow us on SoundCloud.